It's Sunday, May 10th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 8 of Roll Up and Die. We want a shrubbery! Let me tell you something. Lost Vikings. <laughs> My God. You're enjoying them, huh? <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah. Alex, this is a computer game. Ah, and what sort of thing is that? <laughs> what, is, what is this computer? <laughs> what sort of games can you play on a computer? I don't understand. This is bullshit. <laughs> I'm still learning DOS. Excuse me. <laughs> Hello, world. Excuse me, I have I have to plug in my, my 28-baud modem. <laughs> my Commodore 64. I don't know why I did that with a, with a, with a British accent. But. Yeah, you just uh, had to. You felt it was right, and you did it. <laughs> Yeah, I think you. I, everything sounds better in a British accent, though. It's doesn't? very true. Very true. It does. You know, when we want something to sound classy, we, we go British, and when we want when we want something to sound you know really really stupid, we go Southern. You know, yeah. it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. when you want to sound dumb, it's like, oh, well, now nah, here's what we're gonna do. I think that you know when you hear someone who has an English accent, you know, like when we had Jenny on the show, mm. uh, it's like, oh my gosh, you're smart. When you hear, <laughs> right, right. When you hear someone who's like, hey guys, how's it going? It's like. Uh, <laughs> I'm your brain surgeon today. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, to be fair, to be fair, yes, Jenny has an English accent, but if you if you had a guy come in and say, "Right, I'm your brain surgeon," like you probably feel very similar <laughs> yes. to how you would feel if someone came in with a thick Southern accent. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I guess, I I guess that's the British. This. That's the British equivalent of the Southern accent, I guess. Yeah. The, the All cockney. right, let's open up that noggin of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not looking good now, is it? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it's all messed up up in your noggin. Oh no, wait, that—that's a dog. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the wrong X-ray. <laughs> so, things you don't want somebody in a Southern and slash or Cockney accent to say. <laughs> um. Right. So, um, I think I fixed your car. Uh, you're going to have to take it out on the road to make sure. But at the same time, though, if someone said, all right, I think I fixed your car, you're going to have to take it down the road to make sure. I'd be like, okay, yeah. you know about cars. I'd be like, this guy knows about cars. That's <laughs> very true. That's very he true. knows his shit. Um, how about, how about? well, I fixed your airplane. You're going to have to take it up to see if it works, though. Uh, raise your tray tables and raise your seats. We're going to be flying in an altitude of um, really high. <laughs> No, I did this in a video game, but I'm pretty sure it'll work. Just hold on. <laughs> Don't That's worry, the... I'm fully certified Microsoft Flight Simulator. We'll be fine. <laughs> hey, man, it worked in snakes on a plane. <laughs> no, dude, I, uh, yeah, we're playing a game called uh, Heroes of the Storm lately. And it's like a Blizzard game, and it's kind of like League of Legends, except there's not a bunch of eight-year-olds telling you that they're going to fist your mother, which is nice. <laughs> it's a nice change of pace. <laughs> it's great. It's adults. Like, I think today I made a really big mistake, and I'm like, oh, sorry, guys, I made that mistake. And it was crazy. Everybody was like, oh, dude, it's cool. And I'm like, are you kidding like, me? Right are, we, are we playing the same game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely a, a better community in that game than there is in uh, other similar games but at the same time it is still in its 
in its closed beta form, and yeah. uh, pretty soon it's going to be going into public beta. Right. Yeah, and yeah, public yeah exactly. People and are just happy to be there at this point, so exactly. that, you know, they're, yeah. they're a lot more forgiving. So all the all the twelve year olds aren't in there yet, Barker. Just give it time. I think there's a Penny Arcade uh, comic, or maybe not. Maybe I'm just imagining it. But uh, Xbox Live should not be called Xbox Live. It should be called Let's Teach Our Children Racial Slurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. It's true. Uh, my favorite moment, I think, on Xbox Live, and my wife will second this, was when I, I jumped in, I was playing Call of Duty or something, some mm-hmm. crappy game, and and uh, and she heard these really high-pitched noises coming from my headset. She was like, what is that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I met a clan of, like, 10-year-olds, and there were, like, four of them, <laughs> maybe, maybe even six, and they were all following me, like, let's go, Mark, let's do this, let's take the pace. And it's like, and I was their leader. Yeah, I was their leader. Oh, yeah, they cussed way more than I did. And every once in a while, I was like, Timmy, settle down. Settle down. Watch your language. Uh, Have you ever been playing a game online and you hear somebody's parent in the background telling them to stop playing video games? Take out the garbage. (laughs) Quit playing your little game and go wash up for dinner. And and that's a default foul mouth accent. Uh, actually, exactly. Hey, take out the fucking garbage, Jesus! <laughs> uh, one time I heard, one time I heard a kid like, "One second, mom, playing a game," and I was like, "Kid, you get the fuck off the game. You go out there, do what your mother says. Out, now you take the garbage out, you <laughs> shitty kid." <laughs> mom, I'm about to get the chopper. You just gotta let me do it, man. <laughs> These kids today, get off my lawn. Kids today with their fax machines and their hula hoops. (laughs) With their compact discs. Their hip-hop music. Speaking of crappy communities, um, I think we should give Matt a little uh, time to vent about something that happened today. Oh, okay. Yes, sir, have the floor. Yeah, so um, the apartment that my fiance Tila and I live in is is a very nice place. Um, we live on a lake. It's very quiet, very peaceful. There's lots of greenery, lots of wildlife. We see ducks and raccoons and just dozens of different kinds of birds. And we really enjoy looking at the birds. And we, you know, we always put different kinds of feed out for the birds and the ducks and stuff. And one of the things that we really enjoy about our, our specific apartment is the fact that it is completely blocked on the backside by shrubbery. And we live on a ground floor, so if we didn't have the shrubs there, everyone could just look in our living room. Yeah. Um, and so we're able to enjoy the ground floor apartment, but also have the blinds open and stuff um, because of that shrubbery. Well, we got home today, and I just noticed that it was really, really bright in the apartment. I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, man, it's really bright. Like, the sun's out a lot today. I'm kind of walking around and like, you know, set my stuff down, get dinner going. And I go and look out the back patio and there's nothing there. I'm looking directly into somebody's backyard. Uh, I'm like, what? uh, What is different? I call Tila over and we realize that all of the shrubs, except for like they, they cut down all the blackberry bushes, all the bushes out there, all the shrubs, like all the little trees. There's just a couple trees, like little trees left out there. And it's completely cleared now. So, no more privacy. 
uh, no more sun blockage, so it's going to get hot in the apartment because the sun is just directly beaming into the living room. Oh, God. And, and it's it's summertime almost. It's man. summertime. It's getting there, man. It's <laughs> and get, summer, it's summer in the Northwest, warm. you know, is nothing to be trifled with. Oh, it doesn't mess around, man. We, I mean, it gets, it doesn't get hot, hot, but it gets humid and warm, and so yeah. it can be kind of miserable sometimes, but... Honestly, the main thing that I think we're both upset about is the fact that there was like a lot of birds that lived in those bushes and Mm. a lot of baby birds were in there right now and they just went through and chopped them all down. And so, I mean, (laughs) a lot of those birds Uh, got displaced. A lot of the baby birds just aren't going to make it. Um, And so we're fairly pissed about it. And I'm not sure if there's anything we can do about that, but we're definitely fixing to complain here about it so it's just one of those situations where you realize that you're just kind of fed up with living in apartments and not having a real say in what happens in the community you know and so we're just we're ready to to have a place of our own honestly i don't blame you it now it was that was that your complex that that did that or was it a neighbor or it was it was definitely the complex because it's on our side of the fence Uh. um but we're not sure if it was like if it's a different lawn service, if it was like the lawn service guys just going a little bit too gung ho with the trimmers or or what that it's never happened before. They have like they'll trim the bushes back, but they have never just like clear cut. Like they yeah, I was going to say, if they're suddenly letting that much sun into your house, that's not just, you know, tr- you know trimming back a bit. That's, that's yeah. like defoliation. It's, it's yeah. definitely I mean, it's definitely and it's it's you know, it's definitely going to affect us in the summertime. And the other, the, I mean, the really stupid thing is that they just cut all this stuff back. They didn't take up any of the roots. So all those bushes are going to grow back in like a year. So oh, it's God. like, yeah. why did you cut them all to the roots, but not remove them? If it's that was pointless. your goal, it's completely pointless. Exactly. So I have no problem with them manicuring the, the grounds and, and trimming that kind of stuff back. But it was just like, Oh, really? That is messed up. We were we're both just kind of really disappointed about it. I see. We own a home, and one of our favorite parts of uh, owning a home is that right outside our door, we have a little bit of a kind of a not an entryway, just a little patio, really small. Mm-hmm. And in the corner, uh, everything's adobe and stucco. Right. Um, uh, in the corner, there's a bird's nest, and it's been there, I think, for it's got to be like six years now. Oh, okay. Um, and every, it, there's always a bird's nest in every single home's little entryway. <laughs> and ours, you know, we we keep ours there. Everyone else brings a broom out there and just removes it. And I, I don't oh, say anything. That bugs the shit out of me. But, yeah. um, you know, ours, we always keep it there. And that's one of the coolest things about being alive is seeing other things come to life. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, we I will, get, I woke we get up this woodpeckers and, yeah. and all sorts of cool birds out there, and now I don't think we're going to get as many birds out there now. Yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning and, and, and heard baby birds. There's a, a nest right along the uh, – it's kind of hard to visualize, but basically just up on, on the outer wall of our – of our house and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know you can you can hear them from inside so I mean it's it's awesome yeah but we're we're far enough back from the road I mean it, it, it there is nothing like owning your own place and and we fortunately kind of you know own ours outright so we don't have any any kind of mortgage or anything like that so it's right. uh, uh that that that's huge you know you don't when you don't have that have that kind of expense it's a, it's a, it was a huge burden when we didn't have to pay rent or mortgage or anything like that just a uh, it means that you don't have to work nearly as hard just to. <laughs> just have the just basics. Just to survive, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, and I we're we're looking into uh, getting into a, a rental house here soon. And I know it's you know it's not the same as owning your own place, but it is. We would have a little bit more say and a little bit oh, more yeah. control than living in an apartment complex. So exactly. Not to yeah, mention our upstairs neighbors are assholes. So we <laughs> just we want to get out of here, man. <laughs> I've, have you? I've I've lived in a lot of apartments. I've never had an upstairs neighbor that was just awesome. I know that was I know, just I, dope. Like you know, it's always I, they're I always. I lived in a third floor apartment for two years and I feel like I was a good upstairs neighbor. Like I was very conscientious, very like nice, but the people above us, I hope they can hear me talking right now. They're just the worst. They are the worst. (laughs) It's one of those fuck it days. Like they cut down my bush. I'm going to cut down the upstairs neighbors. Listen here. (laughs) I hope, I hope you can hear me up there. (laughs) Taking a broom to the ceiling. Bam, bam, bam. No, you see what they did to the bushes? <laughs> Your upstairs neighbors don't care. They're like, I'm glad I asked for it. Oh no! Yeah, I, now uh, I can now I can see into the neighbor's backyard. <laughs> I actually have a that was a very good Captain Gothnog impression. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Captain Gothnog as the Matt's uh, upstairs neighbor. Upstairs neighbor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, you know what? This is a that's actually a really sad story. I have a kind of funny story. Yes, uh, please, to... please uh, lighten the mood here before we delve into RPG <laughs> stuff, Barker. <laughs> okay, well, uh, okay. So um, my uncle had uh, he lives in private property. Uh, mm-hmm. He lives in uh, Port Orchard. Anyway, okay, yeah, yeah, Port Orchard uh, on the water. Oh, nice. And right next to him is another house, and between them is a laurel hedge, just a massive hedge. And his wife is a little crazy. So (laughs) she went out there, and she's like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to cut down this hedge. And she cut down the hedge. Oh, no. What she did not know is that the next-door neighbor loved that hedge, not only because it was beautiful, but because he was uh, able because of its existence to take private <laughs> naked baths on the other side of the laurel hedge. Yes. So when she cut that thing down and he was sitting there in his bath <laughs> completely naked. <laughs> and she's and again, she's a little crazy. So she's, right. you know, if I did that, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Let me give you a moment to get out of the bath and go put some clothes on." She's looking at him like, "Hey, what's going on? <laughs> what <are> you doing?" <laughs> that is the advantage of living off the beaten path, back away from the road. You know, yeah. I can if I'm outside working, I can just pee anywhere. I don't have to worry yeah, about it. I love I, that. That is find, freedom. I can just find a, cha- a tree and just and just pee, and I don't have to come inside. I, don't have to I feel like I feel like Alex. That was like a it's religious awesome. experience, like the first time you did that, like. You get you get your house built and you're you're on your property and you're standing there and you're like, man, I gotta go to the bathroom. I should probably go inside. Wait, <laughs> hell no, I, I don't have right to. Here. <laughs> <laughs> the trick is remembering that when you're staying at relatives down in New Jersey, because obviously <laughs> in that case, uh, the rule doesn't no longer. The rule applies. does not apply. No, you yeah. can't. I mean, you could urinate well, outside, but <laughs> there, there could be repercussions. When I was a kid, I had an outdoor pee spot. And <laughs> not, I'm not laughing because I because I am in disbelief. I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it, was a, it was a corner of a juniper tree, and it's probably, it's probably a guy thing, just uh, for our, yeah. for our listeners out there. And 
uh, nothing came of it uh, for the first you know two months or so until my dad started calling uh, a group called True Green Chemlon uh, mm. to fix our tree because <laughs> a quarter of it was dying <laughs> and he thought it was diseased. <laughs> what we have here is your standard urine stain. <laughs> you see how smelly it. Uh, now, about 10 to wait, 12 years old, I that's, think. That's, that's grade A piss, sir. <laughs> you must have not been very well hydrated, Barker. I think it was the, the 80% surge that made up your urine was killing the tree. That's probably it. Surge! <laughs> oh, jeez. Happy... Uh, Sunday, gamers. <laughs> Welcome to Roll Up and Die, your exhilarating uh, but sterile podcast. <laughs> my name is Barker. My name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Captain Gothnog. And I am so excited for today's topic. I'm serious. This is my favorite topic in RPGs, period. Uh, and this was Matt's idea, and then... Uh, Alex, you typed up this awesome kind of uh, outline of what we could talk about, and I just got pumped. So, actually, I think it was your idea, Barker. Really? Yeah. <coughs> I think you came up with it, and then I was like, "Oh, like this," and you were like, "Yeah, exactly." Yeah. So if was, you want to give me credit you, it was for you, it, Barker. that's fine. Yeah. But oh, I think it was you. I, I'm just so used to to uh, writing uh, on your guys' coattails all the time. <laughs> I actually set this whole thing up so no. you guys be like, "No, Barker, it was you," and I could be like, "Oh yeah, oh right, it was." Pat <laughs> yourself on the back, Barker. You came up, you came up with a topic. Okay, uh, this is why it's my favorite topic. We're, today we're going to talk about sweating the small stuff, which I can give credit to you there, Matt. That was your title. Yeah, yeah. Basically, kind of flavoring the environment in your RPG. Or uh, otherwise painting a picture for your players to get immersed into. You know, I, I like the idea, and I think a lot of people can agree that, you know, it's not necessarily the monsters or uh, the the adventure-oriented stuff that immerses your players. It's the small things. It's the way a place smells. Mm -hmm. It's the way, uh, you know, small cracks are formed in the wall in the room. That's what draws attention to your players, yeah. and that's what kind of brings them into the game. And that's my favorite part of role-playing, is feeling like I am somewhere else or feeling like I am making it so my characters are somewhere else. What do you guys think? I, I agree. I, th I think that although they do work in, in tandem with the monster stuff or the, or the, uh, the cool story, because the way I see it is, is, is the details are, are kind of set up. Let's say you go into a room, you describe it in great detail. You know, you have, you describe the walls, the smell, the, uh, the darkness, you know, whatever, whatever the mood is of that particular room. And then you drop the monster on them or whatever it happens to be. And by that time, they're, they're already in that room at that point. So now you drop the monster and, and they see it, you know, they're there because later on, they're going to be, they'll be talking about fighting this monster. They'll be talking about the, uh, the feeling they had there. They may not be talking about the, uh, all the little tiny details you put in, but all those details led up to that that point. It helped yeah. kind of set up that yeah. that that payoff. Now, actually, and I think they will be talking about. You know, it, in my experience, they will be talking about. Hey, do you remember that time we fought that dragon? But they won't remember it because it was the dragon. They'll remember it because 
you know, the dragon, they fought the dragon in the sky because they were flying yeah. an airship, you know, they were, right, they fought right. the dragon, uh, inside of this cavern that was so uniquely described. Like that's what creates a memorable encounter. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I mean by setup. The, uh, all these little details help to bring everything to life. Awesome. So how does one go about detailing an encounter or forget encounter, forget the word encounter. This can be combat. This can be non-combat. This can be role play. This can be at the town in the tavern, whatever. Do you prepare for the detail? Do you include detail work in your preparation or is that something you guys do off the cuff? You know, I, I go about 50, 50, like sometimes if I know I want some particular details, uh, in a location or or with an NPC or a specific item, like I will prepare them ahead of time. But I've also gotten pretty good over the years at just kind of improving it and coming up with kind of interesting things on the fly. Like I'll be describing something, and as I'm describing something in my head, I'm thinking about, you know, okay, the next thing you're going to say is this, and I'll come up with something kind of interesting, you know. And a good rule of thumb for me that I subscribe to is the rule of three, where like, if I want a location or a character yes. to stand out to the party, I'll ha make sure I have three distinct things about them. And I feel like three distinct things is like, it's not too much to overload your players where they're like, oh, I can't remember who this guy is because you gave us too much information. But it is enough to make the the character or the location or the encounter stand out. So it's like, the you know, the PCs walk into a room and instead of just saying, you know, it's a, it's a, 10 by 10, you know, stone masoned room, you can say like, you know, there, there, it's, a, it's a stone room, there's rusted manacles along the east wall, there's a puddle of what looks like sort of oil slick in the center of the floor, and in the ceiling, there is a grate with sunlight shining through and reflecting off of the oil slick. And so it's like, bam, three things, three distinct things, and then the players later on will be like, hey, what about the room with the manacles in it? You know, they'll remember yeah. those little yeah. details. But yeah, that, that it, it, is, it is those details that, that will kind of recall them to that moment. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the running gags, that, or became a running gag in uh, uh, my Norbrick campaign, they uh, they stopped at a, at a at a at a tavern and the they had for 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 various reasons they had their their larder has been had been pretty much you know uh, used up so they had very very little food available anymore but they were still trying to stay in business and so they they all they had were these um, uh, you know some dried stuff and they had these jars of pickled sausage that no one liked but they but that's all they had so that's what they were that's what they were serving people with with these pickled sausage and wow. you know you know I described them in detail they were these horrible kind of soft you know squishy things they they you know <laughs> it, 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 and uh and so hold on I'm, for, I'm for the, taking for, a drink right now because of the drinking game ah, i see <laughs> um <laughs> and so and, and but but it's so for the rest of the game you know they keep you know, whenever food comes up, this is as long as it's not sausage. I don't want any sausage anymore. No more sausage. I'm and so, so it, done with it, sausage. Yeah, so so it became kind of a running gag through the whole thing. Oh, Matt, your rule of three. I mean, th that. Uh, okay, so a while back, I hate to kind of bring this up again. Mm -hmm. You created a series called Campaign Crafting. Uh huh. And <laughs> which, for the <laughs> listeners who don't know, this is like. A running joke that Matt has started this really amazing series and just not done anything with it. Because, and I, I get it, because it's not an easy series to do. No, it's not. But uh, one of his things is 
uh, one of his uh, bits of advice is uh, come up with some pillars. He calls them pillars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I totally stole that idea and I used it uh, for my most, one of my most recent Sir Celine sessions. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll pick three adjectives. Right. To describe something, anything, a tavern, a person, a, a country, whatever it is, always three. And I'm looking at my dry erase board right now, and I see uh, the Ander Wood, which is the, the, the forest in Sir Celine. Right. Uh, I, I picked three adjectives, dark, dangerous, and exotic. Right. And then underneath those words, I came up with uh, different ways for me to describe why is it dark? Why is it dangerous? Why is it exotic? Uh, how can I show my players that it's these three things? Right. Uh, and a way that I showed my players that it was dark is that you needed torches. You needed a light source. It was dangerous because, you know, you were attacked by stuff. Uh, and exotic because there were plants just the size of, you know, fl- th- uh, there were flowers just the size of entire trees, you know. And just after coming up with these three adjectives, like you said, Matt, you can, if you plant those into your brain, just kind of keep them there during the session and come up with uh, different ideas of how to describe dark. What does dark mean? Mm. Then, yeah. you know, you can really make your players, not the characters, the players feel like, oh my God, it's dark. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and that rule of three, like you're saying, Barker, you can take, if you have three things, like going back to my example of the room, think of three things about those three things like each thing has three things coming off of it so if you were to if you were to create some sort of like spider web it would have the three like room three things coming off of it the three things in the room and then three things off of all of those things so it'd be like you know the manacles are rusted they have dried black blood on them and they look as though they were broken Okay, mm-hmm. and then and then you do that for all of the things in the room, and and you know you don't want to go too deep. You don't want you don't want to then say three things about the blood, three things about the fact that they're broken. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like right. you know it's going O positive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> going just a little bit deeper with that and coming up with three things for the rule of three is a good way of going about it as well. For especially for for um, you know game masters that are not as good at improving that kind of stuff on the fly kind of yeah. prepping that stuff beforehand is really smart no it's great and and I, I love that that it's simple and easy to follow and easy to remember and easy to note i mean you could actually just take uh you know a little index card or something like that if you're old school mm-hmm. and just and just mm-hmm. make these notes on it with these with these words oh, absolutely. The, uh, the, the only exactly. addition i would sort of make to that is that um if these descriptions can touch on as many senses as possible, yes. that, w- that, w- that would be helpful as well. Like, you know, maybe one is sight, maybe one is sound, uh, whatever, you know, uh, not all, not all situations will require all, th- you know, more than one sense, but, um, but if you can, but if you can include smell, sound, taste, mm. uh, um, at the very least, you should run through them all to see. Because yeah. sometimes you'll surprise yourself. You know, how will it smell here? Oh crap! I didn't realize that it would smell like this. And then you'll include that in the description. Well, yeah. sure. What, what would manacles smell like? It sounds weird to say that, but but okay. Yeah. So that they, you know, if there's blood on them and these are old, you know, there's this unique smell to rust. You know, for yeah. example, yeah. You, you know, there's maybe maybe there's gre- a little bit of grease on them. There's that there's that kind of greasy smell. Um, if it's a if it's a cell, there's going to be the smell of. Uh, you know, of, of waste, you know, that wasn't yeah. cleaned up, but there's going to be the smell of, of all this, you know, kind of sour sweat, you know, all these, um, 
I, per- I personally like smell because it, it's one of the most uh, powerful memory triggers for many people. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so it's a, uh, it, you know, it's it's a good one to latch onto. But you know, s- you know how things sound. That, you know, uh, coming up with and don't be and people shouldn't be afraid to like before before a game, go to a thesaurus or you know, there's plenty of them online and and look up really good words to describe things because uh sometimes you can just find the right word to uh to say many things you know yeah. um yeah. i don't know if you guys remember the <laughs> the movie throw mama from the train did you ever see that with uh billy crystal no, and uh, not even a and little bit Dan- Danny DeVito? Wait, wait wait how many drinks do you take if matt hasn't seen a movie wow <laughs> uh I, well that's not part of the game barker chug 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 <laughs> uh no uh, but anyway in, in it uh, Billy Crystal, his character is a writer, and and he's been and he and he was trying to start a novel, and he and he says you know the first line is the most important, and he's like, you know he's trying to describe the night you know that the story is taking place in is is it is it hot or is it moist you know what word do you use, and at the very end he's he's sitting there and and, the, and this woman near you know this uh, Danny DeVito's mother is nearby, and he says you know so you know I don't know how to start my book yet is it hot or is it moist and she says sultry, what, the night was sultry. <laughs> he, he just got furious at her because he'd been trying to figure it out for so long but but it's great because yeah, that one word you know conveys all of that all and of so that, exactly uh you know find you know finding the finding the exact word to convey uh you know several things is is even better so if you have the prep time if you're not you know if you're not doing it on the fly you know, you, you can actually kind of look up some of these more exotic words and and use them to your advantage because they do. You know, a single word can paint a big picture if if it's the right word. Absolutely, I have a I have a habit of whenever I come across a cool word, I'll write it down in my little you know DM notebook that I keep with me pretty much all the time, or I'll mm. I'll type it into my phone in a note or you know record a voice message yeah. for myself or something like that, and um. Another good tool is like, you know, there's a ton of like word of the day applications out there and different word of the day calendars. And you'll come across words and you'll be like, oh, I'm definitely using that in a session, you know, whether to describe something, you know, uh, as an adjective or a noun or or whatever. It it can be really useful. And uh, even if your players don't know exactly what the word means, they can kind of construe what it means, you know, and it can add a lot of flavor to it. Yeah, I mean, um, certain words just have that sort of evocative sound to them even if exactly. you're not 100% sure what it means. Yeah. No, so it, do you guys find that that one particular genre is easier to describe than another say for example, I find like things like horror particularly easy to describe. Um you know, to, no. to get that to get that kind of immersion. I know, right? <laughs> um, I I think modern for me is easy to describe also science fiction. Modern is explainable because uh, I kind of live in it, and, I, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that I take note of everything. And this is just a bit of advice. Just when you're driving down the road, just take note of everything. Look at everything. Think about everything. Uh, every time that you encounter someone in a line at a shop at a Safeway or a Smith's, you know, just think about, hey, how can I incorporate something like that into my RPG? And and right. you'll have an endless and infinite amount of content. Science fiction, I mean. That's easy for me because there's no limit. I can I can say anything exists and explain it with technology. Honestly, I have the easiest time with fantasy, and I'm not sure why. Because, like you say, Barker, like you know, modern day science fiction, like I can kind of equate that to things in the present day. 
but I just have always had an easier time with fantasy, and it might be because that's the genre I've spent most of my time with. It also might be that, you know, when I was writing a lot more, it was mostly fantasy, but just for some reason, I've I've always struggled with, um, like, horror, for example. Like, I always feel, even though I love running Call of Cthulhu, I always feel like I struggle with, like, conveying the terror that yeah. I want to convey I do too. in a game of Call of Cthulhu, you know, or something similar to that. And so when I when I play Dungeons and Dragons, I feel like I'm in my element, you know? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But And that is something that I'm actively trying to not use as a crutch. Like, I'm making a concerned effort to, like, I want to do more sci-fi, I want to do more modern stuff, like, I want to I wanna break out of that genre and try some different things because I feel like I need to improve in those areas. And, and uh, as a result, I'm going to be a better dungeon master for D as well because i have yeah. you know i have improved outside of the genre so yes yeah exactly i think horror works for me because you know fear is a very primal thing in most people so it, it's in some ways it's easier to 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 bring out to you know to bring out of them mm-hmm. you know you you can you can describe a really horrific scene and and they, they will i think they'll have a tendency to visualize it more um, because it's because it's horrible, you know. It's kind of like that idea of it's so horrible you can't look away, or you know, people are drawn to you know. It's the reason people like rubberneck when they go past an accident, you know, that, right. that sort of thing. They they, they don't want they don't want to see, but they want to see, <laughs> you yeah. know. So yeah. so they they sort of they sort of they sort of want that. So you can kind of describe little details like instead of just finding you know a, you can just say I find a body you know you find a body on the road, but then if you describe that the uh, uh, you know the eyes are are missing because of of crows nearby and and there are you know there are, you can see uh you know maggots in, a maggot in the corner of the mouth you know little details like that will really <laughs> bring someone into the the horror <laughs> of that love moment, it, man. into the horror of that moment and yeah. it, and it's not a lot you know it's just no. little tiny bits that, that God, less that will, is more in a lot yeah. of ways man Big I mean, time. just just including the uh uh you know uh, when someone says you know, I checked to, to I'm trying to I'm trying to find the cause of death. And you say, Well, you know, you can find it, you know, by checking some arteries or, you know, checking you see some puncture wounds in the back. But the one thing you notice is, is when you're moving this body around, it's completely stiff. Rigor mortis mm-hmm. is set in and yeah. it's pretty recent, you know, and it's just like, wow. Like I mean, just that is like mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with a, a person anymore, I'm dealing with an object. Well, and the other thing, too, that's important to note about details and description and this is that it really is possible, like easy to go overboard with it and overload your players. (laughs) And you want to leave enough breathing room where your players imagination can operate. Yeah, Um, like your players. (laughs) If you don't if you if you don't fill in all the blanks, then your players imagination will fill in the blanks. It's like the movie Inception where the person's consciousness like fills whatever space that they're in. Yeah. um, And they, they, they just like innately fill it up. And the other thing, too, is that you want to leave room for your players to ask questions and help you build the location or the person, you know, like uh, you, 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 you know, give the description of, a, of an NPC and the players ask, oh, did, does he have any weapons on him? I don't think you mentioned if he has any weapons on him. And you go, oh, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, he's actually carrying, a, you know, a, a, a 
really fancy long sword or you know they say oh you, you didn't mention there was a if there was any um you know light source in this room and you say well there you know it's pretty dark but you actually do see a glow coming from the corner of the room you know and that kind of allows you and your mm -hmm. players the ability to collaborate even if they don't realize that they're doing that you know but just yeah. imagine the difference between okay a you walk into a room that's uh 10 feet by 10 feet and <laughs> a center lantern uh that's hanging from the ceiling uh, illuminates it to uh, medium light or is uh, let's consider the room dim okay uh, uh you see exactly 8.5 feet away from you uh, a bird cage with a bird in it uh kind of cawing at you and, and compare that with saying you enter into a room that is illuminated only by a dim lantern hanging from the ceiling and in the corner there's something visible and you hear a call call just emerging from the corner uh striking you through your eardrums it's just completely different there's a yeah. difference between showing and telling and you always exactly. want to show man and D, &D yeah. especially the older versions they make you they give you rules of how to tell and if you can find a way to to show instead of tell you're on the yeah. I, I feel like you're doing it good doing exactly. it yeah absolutely okay so alex you picked horror Matt, you picked fantasy and i said yeah. modern right can we all agree that no like real life descriptions and kind of setting experiences small experiences uh getting too much change at the register and having to you know, say, hey, you gave me too much change. That can apply to any genre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much in real life uh, to that you can parallel uh, with any genre of game. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's really easy. I mean, that's an effective storytelling tool where in order to really quickly get people to understand what you're saying, you can equate it to something relatable to them. Yeah. And yeah. I do this constantly. I mean, I, I yeah. instead of describing in detail all of the different flips and maneuvers and dives that my character Oren was doing in the last Sir Celine game, I simply said, oh, he's John wooing across the ceiling. And <laughs> everybody knows what that means. I mean, everyone yeah, can right. kind of picture what that means. And so using that kind of language, you know, some people would say, oh, but it breaks immersion. And I would say, no, you know, it doesn't break immersion to the point of, of ruining the game for me. It actually makes it easier for me to keep the flow of the game going because it's oh, yeah. easier for me to understand and pick up on it. I think it helped the immersion, uh, the immersion in my case, because I know what you were describing. Like mm -hmm. I, I get when you said he's John wooing across the ceiling. Yeah. John <laughs> woo is not a character in Cersaline. Like I get that. But on that same <laughs> note, like I understand what Orin is doing now. And you right. only had uh, to use three words or four words to describe <laughs> what he was doing. And now I'm right. in it. Right. Yeah. And it's about finding the right time to use that mm -hmm. and not overusing it. You know, if, if yes. you're making, if you, if you're, if you're using pop culture references with everything you do, then uh, yeah, then it's going to drag you out of immersion and, and exactly dump you yeah. right out of the game. I'm totally but nickel backing it here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but used at the right moment, it it can it can be it can be perfect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very very wise words, Alex. Mm -hmm. I've got I've got actually I've got a tip, and Do I'm it. not sure how we could segue into this, but I have I, something I've recently started doing that I feel is really helpful. Go ahead and uh, start it <clears> with the uh, the sentence. Something I've recently started doing. Okay. <clears throat> That's going in, isn't we it? We have to maintain the professionality of Roll Up yeah. and Die. Our, our exactly. customer, I mean, excuse me, our listeners depend on it. Our, they depend on it. 
so something I've recently started doing, uh, specifically with combat encounters, is I give every enemy combatant something unique about them. And so instead of saying orc number one, like orc number three, <laughs> and orc number three, or not mechanically, okay, not mechanically. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say the orc on the left has a helmet with one horn. The orc in the middle has a scar across his eye. Mm. And the orc on the right has a peg leg. So it's like, okay, mm. bam, one horn helmet, scar across the eye, peg leg. Now that's mm-hmm. how the players will refer to the orcs and how I can refer to the orcs without having to go to, you know, orc number one, orc number two, orc, or orc A, orc B, orc yes. C, yeah. you know? And yeah, yeah. it helps me keep track of combat, especially if I'm running theater of the mind. It's... Mm-hmm helps with player immersion and it gives each enemy combatant a personality beyond, you know, CR one for the players. Yeah. I I really like that idea of, of personalizing the, uh, the things, especially if, if, especially if there's more than one or, or a, Mm -hmm. or if they're just the, the mooks or thugs, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, and you can even do this in, in a large scale combat. I mean, it requires a little bit more prep, but you could actually have a list of little unique features, like say they're being you know swarmed by kobolds or something like that. So you could say you know kobold with a patch over his eye comes at you from you know dives off the uh, the rock ledge. An- another one with uh, you know with a chain you know tight around his neck grabs you by the ankle and, and you know right. but you have a list that you can just say okay, okay you know all these little tiny features that you can just describe and and it really gives a, a, a i think a greater sense of you know the number of of creatures attacking you yeah uh, exactly. a greater weight to them uh, one one great idea is to just uh, very simply have one of your character's enemies call another of your character's enemies by name during the encounter mm-hmm. Like, yeah. hey, Sven, pull the lever! You know, something like that. Like, holy right. shit, is, he has a name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's something you did in uh, in the Sir Selene campaign when we were fighting those Duergar Barker that oh, completely yeah. caught me off guard because it was like, oh, these guys have names. And then it was like, I, I referred to them by their names, you know, <laughs> for the rest of the encounter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't, I can't remember what their names were, but one of them was like, was what was it? Me neither. Sniffles or something like that. It was like I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the one named Sniffles. You he know? was he was I think he was the one that was like <laughs> yeah yeah no. it, was, it was that guy yeah, yeah. yeah I mean just giving them this character number one you know it makes it easier for your players to decide hey I'm gonna attack this person without breaking immersion. Uh, second thing is you can really drive it home if you want and say, you know, Sarah, attack him, you know, and then this, you know, wood elven girl just comes up and slices at you with a sword. And you know that when you kill this person, you're not killing wood elf number 27. You are killing Sarah. Like, yeah. Right. Daughter of Aerolith. Yeah. Really, you know, and you did that too, Matt. We're, we're stroking each other tonight, but, but <laughs> in the, uh, uh, what, what did I do? Uh, in the, in the second session, well, yeah, it was second session provokers. Cause I remember first session, I kind of took over at the end of there. Uh, right. the second session, I mean, the barbarians kind of had these personalities. They had, oh, right. Yeah. At least a, a visible personality. I could look at them and say, wow, this is a real person. Right, yeah, it was like one of them was a big guy with a mohawk, one of them was a woman with a shaved head, and yeah, mm-hmm. so it was that they had distinctive looks to them that that kind of set them apart, mm-hmm. and honestly humanized them a little bit, and I think if, mm. a- anytime you can humanize, you know, your enemies, even, you know, be they 
you know, completely non-human creatures. Yeah. Uh, I think you should do it, and I, I think it, oh, uh, it makes it more real for the players. So. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and I guess that's 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 one of the other senses you can use this their sort of emotional senses by mm, by, by yeah. showing them that these are real people. And I guess it depends on how you know how kind of dark you want to make it. I I, I was uh, I, I was talking on the Facebook. Uh, group of the brigade and uh, you know for example one of the classic fantasy tropes is when you have to protect a caravan from bandits let's say right and maybe you're forced to kill some bandits and you know of course as D&D characters you search the bodies for 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 loot or information and so maybe you find this you know these a bit of gold some weapons and other things but you also find a little note you know that says we miss you daddy come home soon and all of a sudden you know they have to they think I just you know this was yep. this was a person not just you know bandit number four. You right. know? Yeah. It's good to make your players feel <laughs> yeah. a little shitty every now and again. <laughs> like yeah. sure. and, and then you know what? That's a, also a really good way of ensuring that you know next time they're on the road and a uh, and a merchant comes pulling up in a caravan. They won't be like, draw your swords, you know, yeah. kill the yeah. merchant and be like, maybe we should talk to this guy because he might, yeah. you know, be a person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it, true. It, yeah, it, it, pull, it pulls pulls them deeper into that into the uh, yeah, deeper into that world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think uh, you know what I think we should do really quick before we do the uh, the listener question and the idea they can steal. Mm-hmm. I think we should kind of go around and pick one thing that we can like one specific you know Matt you said one of those three things that you choose right uh one of those three pillars we should pick kind of one thing to focus on when you're trying to describe a location and and I'll go first and I think color is really important mm. mm-hmm. yeah and I think you know red purple green these things are starting points I, I want you to think though, like if you th- if if the walls are green, what are there are so many greens? Is it the mm. green of faded money? Is it uh, the green of uh, evergreens in a far off land, or is it uh, the green that is uh, an elvish green, but it's been faded after centuries and centuries of disuse? Right. You know, I mean, kind of you see the paint chipping. You know, a color, mm. just visualizing, describing a color in that sort of symbolic nature, I think, can help paint, not so ironically, uh, your <laughs> location really well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, definitely. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys want to pick, uh, Alex? Uh, I'll, I'll, well, I, I mentioned it before. I'll definitely go with smell. Um, again, because smell is is you know, most strongly connected to memory. And I think that it's also kind of a direct connect to the imagination as well. I mean, you know, and, and, and yeah, you can use it in horror to describe, you know, disgusting things, but also just walking, you know, walking into an inn, you know, the smell of wood smoke, the smell of spiced meats, roasting the smell of, you know, of beer, uh, all these things can, can really paint this, this uh, dramatic image of, of, of where you are. Or walking into an apothecary, and and the smell of drying herbs, and and the smell of uh, bubbling elixirs, you know that are that are you know tart into the to the nose. I mean, uh, I yeah, I, I love including uh, descriptive smells with my uh, with it with any nice. you know, scene that I'm painting. Right. Nice, Matt. Um, I would actually say kind of. Kind 
kind of similar to what Alex said, but a little different is just paying attention to how the air feels in different locations. You know, that's something that I pick up on as a person is, you know, how close things feel or if the air is really stale or if it feels kind of stuffy. Um, if there's, you know, a, a, a sort of humid quality to the air. It's like, you know, with your example, Alex, of the, the tavern that the characters walk into, you know, I imagine that the tavern would mm. be, it would feel very close and warm in there. You know, the air yeah. would be kind of very fragrant and, you know, there wouldn't be windows thrown open in the tavern. And so it would it would be kind of this very sort of, uh, thick, close air. But if you're out on the plains somewhere, you know, the air would be crisp and, and clean. It would feel very open and airy. And so I, I think that that is, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe something that is overlooked oh, yeah. sometimes in description. So. One of the point about senses, though, is is we're, we're often told there are five senses, but it, uh, there are actually more. And, and oh, yeah. I won't go into all of them, but you should, you know, people should look them up because, you know, there, there, there's, you know, like you said, the sense of warmth. You know, people don't yeah. people don't think of 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 that as a as another sense, and yet it is. You know, the sense of um, pressure. You know, feeling that yeah. kind of claustro- claustrophobic or open and airy, or the, all all these other various senses are are accessible as well, and people may not be aware of them consciously from moment to moment. But when you start describing them, suddenly it it, it draws attention to it, and that makes a big exactly. difference. Yeah, nice. absolutely. Uh, I I love that. You know, error. Uh, it, 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 what you said, Matt, almost reminded me of um, Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who he collects the sand. Yeah, right. And mm. you can, you know, think about that. That's sand, but you can collect uh, in a way. He, he, you know, sand is different no matter where you are. Air oh, yeah. is yeah. different no matter where you are. Smells are different. Touch is different. The air tastes a certain way no matter where you are. Uh, the sound is different. The reverberations. If you're underground. Uh, how how does it sound when you're underground? When you're in yeah. an underground cavern, the reverberations are constant. You, you can't get yeah. rid of them. Uh, I mean, just the idea that collect these different senses and you know write them down, man. Like uh, Matt, mm-hmm. you use a Google Drive, right? Yeah, I I have just documents upon documents in my Google Drive, just ideas and notes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I recommend it. I mean, it's just yeah. a it's a really easy way to access your RPG notes. Uh, exactly. No, no matter it's like you I can I Definitely. can access the same documents from my phone as I can from my work computer as I can from my laptop at home. You know, it's just it's very very versatile. So, you guys want to take a listener question? I think so. Super dope. I agree. All right. So uh, Nathan C and Ben B uh, both have the same number of likes. Uh, we've already <laughs> answered a Ben B question, so we're going to take a Nathan C question. Let's do it. He says. I was actually thinking about this today. Well, we're mind readers. Where do you guys draw the line? I want to give my players... Oh, first of all, Alex, he doesn't draw the line. (laughs) There is no line for me, that's right. Uh, No, he says, I want to give my players a very good image of the world around them, but I don't want to go Tolkien status and give them three pages and a song about a door. (laughs) Dude... Dude, Tolkien. A lot of people yeah. are upset that you know the Lord of the Rings movies are not like the the books in a lot of ways. And I'm telling you what, man, I'm so happy that after <laughs> dumping Boromir off a waterfall, they didn't just sit there and recite poetry. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's true. It's okay. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked for for a movie like that. I agree. Yeah. So so how far is too far? 
how much is just enough? Let's try to, I don't know, specify. You know, honestly, it's something that you just learn. Like, it's something that you get better and better at picking up mm. on with every session. It's like, yeah. you just know, okay, I've said enough. Like, I, I, I can feel the players getting anxious to actually yeah. begin exploring and discovering themselves. So here's where I'm going to stop talking. Yeah. If they, if, they, if the players start nodding off, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would and just, then you know, the door was <laughs> yeah. the brass handle is rickety as you turn it and you feel the door scrape against the stone floor. The stone, by the way, is shale. And so, but you know, it's, verse uh, comes to mind. The stone is just like a bone. It's dry as a tomb inside think, a mother's I have a, womb. Uh, I have a Jack London quote that I think is uh, apt for such a description. He has four um, pages to describe this tavern. That you're in. <laughs> Let me know we get a twenty-minute break. <laughs> I would just say, like, trust your instincts as a dungeon master. Like, and your instincts will get sharper and sharper and better the more that you do it. And 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 it should be different with every group that you play mm. with, you know. And you'll just kind of pick up on it eventually, you know. And you'll yeah. feel okay. Time yep. to stop talking. I think Alex. a good rule of thumb, though, is if you got if you want to have a big kind of description period well you know make it don't make it too long obviously but you know but if you want to have that uh get a lot of information across Mm -hmm. then do it at the beginning like if they're if they're just going into a tomb or if they're just going into a tavern make that the big description you know keep it under you know keep it under a minute but (laughs) you know but make that the big sort of you painting the picture of that place exactly and then all, then you can just add sort of little little bits here and there as they go in and walk through, you know. Then then you can just describe this character or this table or you know this unique feature. But but you've already painted the big pictures, so, so they already have the framework to to kind of insert that. Yeah. So if if you're gonna go big, go big at the very beginning. Yeah. You know, keep, you know, keep it constrained, but go big at the beginning and then. A lot more conservatively once you're into the into that place and adding your little features here and there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, screenwriters have something called an elevator pitch, uh, where mm-hmm. uh, you know when you're writing a screenplay or a script for a movie, the idea is that you know you have this 160 page script, but you still <laughs> want to be able to summarize it in a few sentences. So the elevator pitch, I want you to imagine that you're stepping into an elevator and this guy on your left who's dressed up in a suit, he looks like a stiff, and he is in charge of whether or not you're going to make a million dollars or not, depending (laughs) on your story. (laughs) And you have between the first floor and the 12th floor to tell him about your story. And at that point... You know that he's gone. So elevator pitch it. You know, instead of saying it's you know the light is spreading ten feet in either direction and it's an an opaque orange just gleaming off the walls. Honestly, sometimes the word dim firelight is really (laughs) perfect for that. Exactly. (laughs) Work on your elevator pitch for description. That's that's my advice. I think. Yeah, like we said at the beginning of this episode, sometimes less is more. Yeah, absolutely. So, the time has come for an idea that you can steal. So, uh, okay, I have an idea for this, guys. All right. Okay. I have an idea. Okay. Parker has an idea, you guys. Tell us. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. So, what I want to do is I want to take my D12. One -hmm. through four is Matt. Yep. Uh, Five, six, seven, and eight is Alex. Mm -hmm. And nine through 12 is me. And what I want to do is roll it. 
and whoever it lands on, look around you in whatever room that you're in and <laughs> look at and find something to add to whatever we're describing. Uh, and it lands on seven. So, so that's Alex. <clears throat> what type of place are we describing? Uh, we are describing a, a cabin in the woods. All right. It's, a cabin. It, it, it's, uh, you, you, the, uh, you stumble across it, and it seems to be intact and even perhaps lived in, though, there, though you're not sure if there's anyone home at the moment. Okay. All right. So the rule here is you have to look at your immediate surroundings. And my objective mm-hmm. here is to show or tell listeners how everything, even the stuff that's right around you, can inspire a role-playing game session. Okay. So uh, first up is Matt. That's a four. On the wall of this cabin, as you enter, you see that there is a map hanging on the wall, but it seems half finished. The mountains are drawn in, the coastlines are drawn in, and you see some blue rivers snaking off from the mountains, but the roads and the cities are not finished yet. It seems almost like someone stopped halfway through drawing this map and never finished filling it in. And, and I would actually jump in and say, you know, that might show that a cartographer once lived here. Exactly. Nice. Or still does. Ooh, or still. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I love it when you do it, man. All right, one through six is Alex, and that's an eight, so that's me. So I'm looking around me. Ah, and I see uh, a Sony HD camcorder uh, that I use to film my role-playing videos, guys. And it's in the corner of the room, and I think that uh, what you will see is a camcorder sitting on a tripod in the corner of a room, uh, of this room, uh, because the cabin is one large room, and it's looking at a table, and on the table are many, many different types of bullets. Hmm. And, uh, all right, Alex, you're 1 through 12, and that's a 5, so <laughs> you're up, Alex. That's Very cool. Um, and hanging on a, on a wooden peg on the wall is a an old surplus army backpack, and... Uh, you see a number of uh, objects sort of sort of tucked in little pockets on the side, and leaning up against it is is an old walking stick. The walking stick is about five feet tall. It's, it's it looks like it was carved some time ago because the the area where you would normally hold it is is uh, uh, is smooth from the the wearing of the hand on it for from constant use. I was half expecting Alex to say. Under the floorboards, you find a body or seven. <laughs> Wait, Alex, are, are you describing something that you actually see? Do, are you able to say yes? <laughs> I, okay, so I think this is cool because, number one, uh, one of the characters can go to the map that you made, Matt, and they can look at the surrounding area. Number two, a second player, player's character, can go to the camera in the corner and look at old footage and see what was recorded. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third character can get supplies from the backpack yeah. just from looking around the room that we're sitting in right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I- anything can, can, be, can be written up into an RPG. And the fourth player character says... Well, I gotta go take a leak. Goes out into the bushes and gets killed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't well, split yeah, the party. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Has anyone seen Billy? Yeah, he went out to take a leak like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, whatever. Oh, man. So, do you guys want to do that same thing, but for a fantasy session, or do you want to call it a day? Yeah, let's do another one. Okay, let's do one more. We're we only have some time. Okay, so we're going to do one more, but fantasy session, uh, fantasy setting um, instead of modern. Because obviously modern's a little bit easier, because camcorder. Okay, so here we go. Rolling the die, and I got a two, so that's Matt. We're describing an old stone bridge. that arches over a long, dried-up river. Wow, nice. All right, so uh, first up is going to be me. I am looking out my window, and it is raining. It's been raining all day, (laughs) so I will say that the the dried-up river is not necessarily dried, but it's not a river. It's more like quicksand. Uh, You see frogs... And uh, just kind of leaping in and out of puddles and guppies just kind of swimming as far as they can up the stream until they're blocked off uh, by the sand. Uh, Also, the stone bridge is collapsed in the middle. The slippery surface makes it a little more treacherous when you're trying to cross it. I like it. Okay, so it's raining, and next up, one th- uh, that's Matt. That's a five, so one through six is Matt. Okay. Uh, there's a bass guitar. No, <laughs> there's an Ibanez, <laughs> six-string, electric. <laughs> I plug it in and riff it a little bit, man. Uh, so amid the rubble um, of this collapsed bridge is an old tin goblet that may have once been shiny and polished, but has since sort of been dented and, and, and rusted. Maybe it's fallen out of the pack of, a, of an adventurer who took a tumble going over the bridge, or maybe it belonged to someone even longer ago, but it's uh, too tarnished now to really to really tell where it came from. Nice. All right, Alex, uh, you're one through 12. Okay. And uh, that's an 11, so Alex. All um, right. Along uh, next near the goblet, you see this uh, this huge patch of of mushrooms, sort of growing uh, in a in a in a in a almost unnatural clump near it, with uh, this sort of kind of bluish gray stalks and kind of kind of a long thin top to them, and they 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 just they just cover this this uh, this odd little semicircle around where the uh, the goblet is on this uh, on this pile of rocks. Um, and yes, awesome. I do. And you say I'm I'm growing mushrooms, by the way. So oh, it's I'm <laughs> I, I have they're on, they're on my table nearby here. Oh, uh, what what kind? Uh, they are blue oyster mushrooms. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> is there a is there a cult for those? Blue there is in fact a blue oyster cult. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Could I eat those in a salad and be pretty good for the next six hours? Like, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're just pretty much like oyster mushrooms. Only just uh, they have a kind of a blue tint to them. Very cool. Yeah, I j- I just looked up a picture of them. They look pretty cool. Yeah, they neat. Very interesting looking mushrooms. Yeah, man. I mean, look around you guys. I mean, really, um, the inspiration is everywhere you are limited only by the fences that you build around yourself yeah and exactly. and, and honestly things like google image search or it could be a huge friend even if you don't use the images in your game just typing in uh keywords that you want to describe an area and it'll come up with images that you can then 
in, you know, that can then inspire you to come up with, you know, more evocative descriptions. Yeah, exactly. So what's today's sign off guys? That's it. Okay. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. My name is Barker. <laughs> my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. <laughs> my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And... <sighs> this show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.